0: Word of the Lord from John chapter 16. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby... She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. A little while, says Jesus, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. When Jesus says this to the disciples, they're perplexed. They're already on edge. They're in Jerusalem and reclining at the Last Supper. The chief priests and scribes have been plotting like mad to do away with Jesus, and Jesus hasn't been shy in telling the disciples that they're going to succeed. And now it's only a matter of hours before Jesus is betrayed, arrested, condemned, and crucified. The disciples' confusion is so evident in the middle verses of our text, verses 16 through 19, where the phrase, a little while, gets repeated seven times in four verses. They simply don't know what to make of these words, although we don't hear them articulate what exactly upsets them. Is it the, in a little while, you will see me no longer part? After all, that goes with Jesus' repeated predictions that he's about to be betrayed and crucified, and they certainly don't want that to happen. Because of his almighty power and their love, the idea of such a death is nearly unthinkable. Or, are they struggling with the second half, the, and again a little while, and you will see me part? After all, death is death, and if Jesus is put to death, how will they see him again? Dead people don't rise to life, even if they've just seen Jesus go to the tomb of Lazarus and raise the dead. But the disciples can argue their way out of that proof easily enough. Since you know the whole story, you know exactly what Jesus is telling them. True enough, he's going to be crucified. And when the stone secures his body in the tomb, they will not see him. A little while later, on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. And they will see him again because... He'll come and stand in their midst in a locked room and declare his peace to them. And true to his words here, the disciples will be glad when they see the Lord. Their sorrow will be turned to joy. You also know that this will repeat once again. Once Jesus is raised from the dead, after a little while they will not see him because he will ascend into heaven. A little while, And they will see him again. He's promised that he will return in glory. His last words in Revelation are, I am coming soon. The church has lived on that promise ever since. And this is why you're not going to think too poorly about the disciples' confusion at the Last Supper. Because you know what they're doing. Because you understand it more than you'd like to admit They're in a messed up world where they've been clinging to Jesus for the past three years. Even if Jesus says his going away will make things far better in the long run, they don't want him to go even for the short term. And part of that is because they're pretty worried that he won't be back at all. That's the common short-sighted hope that Christians often reduce themselves to. And you can sympathize with that all too well. It's easy to think that Jesus is all about making the now better and have difficulty with the truth that Jesus has come to deliver us from this messed up world of the now to a perfect heaven and an everlasting life. You want Jesus to fix things now, not in a little while. And if Jesus doesn't do things in your schedule, well, then you're tempted to think that he's not living up to his promises. So if you're worried about a nation that seems to be tearing itself apart over all sorts of social issues, or you're anxious because there's a war going on in Europe and you could see it exploding until our troops are once again in harm's way, well, you could note that these events only confirm that the Bible speaks the truth when it describes the sinful nature of mankind, and you could cling to God's track record and promises of deliverance. You could pray with the Psalms, how long, O Lord, and trust that he is at work even if you see him no longer. But there's always a temptation to go the other way. You could instead impatiently conclude that Jesus is falling down on the job. See, with events like these, either Jesus is considered too controlling because he disapproves of people doing what they want to do, or else he's too permissive because he doesn't stop people from doing what they want to do but whatever accusations sinners lodge they conclude that jesus is failing if you're in a difficult situation with marriage or family or work or a medical condition or whatever it is so easy to get anxious and impatient because because this is your life it's going by fast And you don't get any of the time or opportunities back. You really don't want to wait a little while for anything, even though you know that tough times and difficult decisions are far better for strengthening faith than easy times are. You're most keenly aware of this when you're dealing with death and dying. You find yourself conflicted in prayer as you don't want a loved one to suffer longer, but you don't want them to be gone either. You know that the resurrection on the last day is coming in a little while, but that little while seems so very far away. All of this is why patience is a virtue. It's not just that impatience ruins work or makes you look like a jerk but also because patience trusts that the Lord is at work even when you don't see him. In this little while, though, while you don't see Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're on your own. For one thing, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit, and he takes care here to call him the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit works through the word of God to do miraculous things. While the devil, the world, and death are all crying out that Jesus is gone and won't be back and you're on your own, and while your own sinful flesh and mind keep twisting your thoughts into knots that argue against God's faithfulness, the Holy Spirit still penetrates that sinful fog. He keeps pointing out your sins, your doubts, and where you've managed to get Jesus all wrong, and... He keeps reminding you of the Lord's certain promises. He rescues you from the doubt and anxiety and temptation that would leave you lost. And he continues to gather and keep you among the Lord's people. He doesn't stop either. If you are convinced that the Holy Spirit doesn't have an answer for you in his word, remember what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. As you search for some counsel of God, the Holy Spirit may well be laying a foundation for it with other truths in his word so that you can bear it and find comfort in it, even rejoice in it. He doesn't do this on his own. The word that he speaks is the word of the Father and the Son. The triune God, always of one mind, is single-mindedly purposed that you have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus says that in this little while that you don't see him, he sends the Holy Spirit so you're not on your own. But that's not all. Just because Jesus says you won't see him doesn't mean he isn't there. Jesus never says he's leaving, just that he's unseen. Sure, he is ascended into heaven, body, and all, and yes, he is seated at the right hand of God, and just as sure as the eternal Son of God, he is also omnipresent, Even when he was in the manger or on the cross, he was still enthroned in heaven. Jesus only says that he's unseen, not that he's not present. He didn't say, in a little while you're on your own until I return in glory, so I really hope you make it. No, in fact, he says he is present and nowhere more than when he gives you his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Where his word is, so is the word made flesh. Now, Jesus is not gone. He promised at your baptism, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I'm no fan of wars and rumors of wars, troubled marriages, difficult decisions, and the horrific endurance of terminal illness. The Lord himself prefers that you be in the promised land of Eden, not this wilderness of sin. But don't discount the hope that he gives. Don't forget that he compares this time to a woman giving birth. He says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. The pain of childbirth is significant, to say the least. But it's hard to find a mother holding her newborn in her arms who says, well, that wasn't worth it. The Lord waits and permits trouble and lets this messed up world keep spinning for good reason, even if he doesn't let us in completely on the reason why. He permits a fair share of trouble and grief in your life, knowing that it reminds you to repent, it strengthens your faith, And he works it to accomplish his purposes. It isn't fun in the meantime. You will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. You will see Jesus, for he sees you. Your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And that is only in a little while. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.